Hello and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to navigate the workplace, business, and your career with a little more ease and a lot less angst. I'm your host, Jacqueline Beck, and I am thrilled to have Danielle Dworkowitz in the studio with us today. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. By way of background, Danielle is the CEO of Creative Touch Party Designs, and she is an event planner extraordinaire. It sounds so exciting. It is exciting, (laughs) which is part of the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast, because of all the people I've had the great fortune of knowing, you are one that juggles so many balls in the air at any given time. And I marvel at how you do it. Well, it's, thanks. Well, it's true. So before we dig in, okay, do you mind giving everyone a sense of your background and how you got to this point in your career? Sure, sure. It's it's an odd way that I got here. Um, I don't even know that I've ever told you this story, but I came out of college and my field of study was gerontology and psychology. What? I know. Most people would never know this story. So I actually specialized in the study of aging and I was fully hospice certified when I came out of college and it turned out it was just too heavy. I was 21 years old and it was such a heavy career path that I still really loved working with seniors, but couldn't be in the hospice path. It was too, it was too much. I was too young. So I started doing events for seniors with another company and that opened me to the event world and By day, I was doing events for a company that specialized in senior events. And on the weekends, friends and other people that now I was meeting professionally started asking me to do their events on the weekends. And before I knew it, I was working seven days a week and a lot of hours and um, got married myself and looked at my husband one day and was like, I think I can do this on my own. And he's like, great, go for it. And Creative Touch was born. And how long has Creative Touch been in existence now? Almost 24 years. Wow. I know. And I'm so young. It's hard to believe. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) That is true. And what type of events do you guys specialize in? We specialize in weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, and large-scale private events. So we've been really fortunate to get to do some really amazing private events, birthdays, milestone events as well. So at this point in my career, I'm about 50-50, 50% weddings, 50% other milestone events. And that's a great segue because, you know, as I was brainstorming people to invite on the podcast, you automatically popped up because like I said before, what you do is so interesting because you have to hit on so many different skill sets. It actually doesn't surprise me that you were a psychology major because <laughs> I do think you play part therapist yes, it does to a lot of your clients, right? But when you take a step back and you think about what you're doing, you're dealing with very large scale events, right? right? And there's an element of creativity. You have to be creative to come up with the ideas. And it is a design oriented field in a lot of ways logistically, it's a lot to manage. And a lot of times you're dealing with things out of your control. Vendors, supply, weather, COVID, right? Just a few things. Just a few things that are popping up all around the place. Right. And then there's a huge interpersonal dynamics piece of it. Because when you think of events, you're dealing with families, 
Maybe there are parts of the families that don't get along. Exactly. Lots of different personalities. Lots of emotions. Lots of opinions. (laughs) Lots of opinions. Right? And managing all of that while also compartmentalizing and not taking it on yourself. And balancing a budget. Don't forget balancing a budget. Oh, balancing a budget. How could I forget? So- those are t- those are skill sets that typically you don't find in one person and you have all of them. Thanks. So when I try, you, well, you're, you're quite good at what you do. <laughs> Thank you. So when you think about event planning and you look to hire people, how can you tell that they'd be good in that industry? It's a really good question. I've been really fortunate that the majority of my staff has been with me for 10 plus years. And we actually just brought on a new team member, funny enough. And it's for me, one of the first things that I've always looked for is someone with that internal motivation or hustle, because you have to be able to think on your feet. If you're looking, you know, to just kind of supervise and watch and that's not what you can do in our in our field. You have to be able to really be internally motivated to solve a problem, figure out what the next steps are, not wait for direction, and also be really engaging with event guests and hosts. And that's a that's a fine balance to be able to to find somebody that really can can handle all the different pieces. And still, you know, be really engaging with guests. How do you determine, without knowing someone that well, whether or not they have that intrinsic motivation? Right. Uh, You know, often we'll have somebody come and and shadow us. Got it. At an event, which is really great because you kind of see like, do they automatically, like a guest drops something, do they immediately walk over and, and see that out of the corner of their eye and pick it up? Or do they, you, do you see them watch it and kind of just walk away from it? That's really a good indication for me. Like that's a person who is always paying attention, really focuses out of their peripheral as well, because you have to see everything and be able to be attentive. That's, you know, it's a really good skill to be able to, to kind of look for and just how they gel with the rest of the team. Because to be honest, I rely on my support team as much for me as each other. Right. You know, some days I won't see them for hours and I have to know that they're doing their job and they're doing it often in teams. You know, they support each other. So that's also really important that they they have a good mesh with the rest of the team. Well, it sounds like you're talking about two different things that are tied. Autonomy and trust. Yes. So when you bring on a team member. I know at least I speak to a lot of business owners who have trouble relinquishing control Mm -hmm. and delegating and giving that autonomy to the team. How do you know someone's ready to earn it? That's a tough question. If my team was here, they might tell you maybe some days I don't do as good enough a job as (laughs) as others. You know, I think coming to the understanding that they are not me and I am not them is one of the hardest things that I've had to learn in business Mm. because my team won't necessarily do things the exact same way I would do them. And sometimes they would do it better, but it's, it's just different. And I I've had to really be able to step back and say, I cannot work 
a 20 hour shift. And most of our days cover almost 20 hours from the start of beauty, let's say on a wedding day to the end of an after party could be a 20 hour time span. So we shift and we have to shift. So I have to know that my morning team, if I'm not there, if there's an issue that occurs, which it will, they're going to handle it in a way that is best for the client and that I have taught them what that looks like. And they're going to have to use their best judgment to make those decisions. They may not make the same exact decision that I would have made in that exact same situation, but it what it's what's right for the client. And I have to step back and go, okay, they've got the tools to make those decisions. And it's okay if it's not exactly the same way I would have done it. Well, it sounds like you take the time to train them at the outset so that A, they know they're always focused on the client. Right. And B, when you say they have the tools, they at least know what's in their purview. Right. And what's at their disposal. Exactly. Exactly. How did you cultivate accepting that lesson? <laughs> this is speaking as someone who likes control. It's taken a lot of time. <laughs> it, you know, I will say that they've kind of taught me. Because there have been a few times in, you know, my team where my team has had to say to me, you need to go into the corner. We've got this. And I've had to learn from that because at the end of the day, to be successful, it's never just one person. Right. You have to rely on the team. So, you know, it's they've kind of taught me that, I will say. And just surely being, uh, you know, a few years older and wiser at a certain point, you just you have to understand how to relinquish control. Well, Does that sound like I do? <laughs> no. <laughs> I know you like control, too. Uh-huh, yeah. We all do. Yep. But I'm just thinking as you're talking, because that to me is a sign of great management and leadership. Because if you can cultivate the trust within a team that they know that they can speak up to you Mm -hmm. and they have a voice that not only counts, but that you'll listen to. Right. I mean, that that goes a really long way, not to mention that helps you in the long run because you'd be exhausted if you were working 20 hour shifts every week. Exactly. And sometimes we, you know, we don't really dive into it in the moment because clearly it's a it's a fire situation what we do so if an issue comes up often it 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 doesn't have the time right then and there for us to to go through what was the best way did you do it right did i do it right instead we tend to do a postmortem on wow. every event what could we have done better as a team where you know did i push too hard did someone else have an issue we go through it a lot and that's constantly how we evolve Um, that's, it's just really the way we have functioned all of these years because no event is the same because as you talk about all the interpersonal dynamics make it different. And sometimes we'll come across a situation that, wow, we've really never hit this before. How can we do better? Even though it might have gone perfectly smooth for the client, maybe it was a little too difficult for us. Maybe it was emotional for one of the team members. Um, there's different dynamics that occur. And that's and and sometimes we have to adjust how the day plays out and what order the staff works in based on knowing some of those details in advance. I love that you do that. Sometimes we have to. I read a really great book called The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. And the whole premise of the book is he's an investigative journalist and he goes into different groups 
of people to figure out what makes cultures gel. He goes to SEAL Team 6. He goes into a band of jewel thieves. He goes into Zappos. He goes into 11 Madison Park in New York City. And he pulls out the little tidbits about what makes, again, that culture thrive and what makes them the best at what they do. And two of the things he said that you just mentioned are autonomy. So he mentioned that at 11 Madison Park, every server has a budget to be able to give them something free. If they overhear, oh, it's my birthday next week, they have a budget to go give them a glass of wine or a, a dessert or something, whatever it will be. So I you're giving that. them autonomy mm-hmm. for what you're talking about, which is that in the moment problem solving mm-hmm. to make the customer or the client feel special. Right. And then they spend a lot of time in the book talking about postmortems and how it's not only the debrief, but it's learning from the debrief. hundred percent. Which is what it sounds like. Yes. You're doing. Yes. Constantly. And how soon after the event are you having that debrief? It depends on the dynamic of the event. So if something was really an issue for us as a team, um, whether there was a, a vendor that was a newer experience, maybe that didn't go as well as we would have liked, there might be a next day conversation. Sometimes there's a, at the end of the night, like we really need to talk about this or one of my team members has something burning that they really we're not happy with that someone else did or felt we'll do it earlier. If not, usually within a week. Yeah. Usually within a week, everybody needs a couple of days of rest. Um, and then we, we really talk about it and dive into it. I was going to say nothing like the 1am debrief after probably yelling at someone throwing up in the corner at a wedding. Right. It's (sighs) it's so glamorous. (laughs) But it is. Yep. But it goes to show you, it takes a lot of hard work behind the scenes. A lot. A lot. Which is something I want to segue into because you said something to me before we started recording, which is that you enjoy being behind the scenes as opposed to the party girl in front. The party girl in front. It's never been me. I am a logistics girl from the time I was like a little girl with my friends. It was, I would have set up like the whole Barbie situation, but I'm not out there front and center with Barbie. Like I've got everything set up and then everybody could come over and play. Like I used to do that as a kid all the time, but it wasn't necessarily for me to play with or enjoy. I would always want my friends to come over and like the whole Barbie store would be set up. They could shop with their Barbies. And I just kind of, you know, would package up their stuff. Like that was what I did as a kid. And that still kind of carries through now. What is it about the logistics that you like? Never asked me this question on a Saturday night. So it's good. It's a weekday. Um, (laughs) You know, I think I like the challenge of being able to, to turn what is in someone's head right? I mean, it's really taking someone's ideas or concepts of what they want on this very special occasion and bringing them to life. And even though we might've spent a year or more planning, I basically have like six hours to get it executed from the time we can get into a venue until the time, you know, things are moving along. So it's, it's, it's amazing to me to really watch that transition of what occurs. So that's, that's probably my favorite part. I would say. Well, that uh, I resonate with that because I like a challenge too. I get bored if I'm not challenged by something. Right. I, I take a step back and I think about 
how many stakeholders you need to manage Mm -hmm. as part of those logistics, right? There are things out of your control, Mm -hmm. like the weather, Mm -hmm. like a pandemic, Mm -hmm. like small things, supply or vendors not showing up with the correct materials or what they need. Staffing shortages for vendors. Absolutely. Exactly. Then there's also and we're going to spend a lot of time on this, but the interpersonal dynamics of the families and the people that you're dealing with, right? And then there's the venue. There's Mm -hmm. your staff. Mm -hmm. There's timelines, which I know you are very punctual. I am. And organized with. So time is money. (laughs) I almost think of you like a producer or an orchestra or like a, like a conductor at the helm of an orchestra. Right. And so how do you prioritize in the moment? You know, one of the most important things about the event industry, and when I talk to other professionals, sometimes there's other people that see it the way I do, and sometimes not. People look at it in a completely different perspective. But I like to focus on how we expect guests to engage like that mm-hmm. takes and that goes back to like the psychology of it. Like you have to think so far ahead that w- if I'm doing X, Y, and Z, will the guests behave a certain way? Like give me an example. Um, we had a really fabulous event in Chicago. We've been traveling more and more. And we had this fabulous event in Chicago for a birthday a couple of years ago and brought in a very large talent. We actually brought in Carrie Underwood for oh, this cool. particular party and being able to kind of set up the, the entertainment leading up to her, then the entertainment after her, the party got a little bit more wild, like all of the scenarios, you're almost setting up different pieces to be able to make something occur. My client, it turned out, had a really fabulous voice. The agent was very specific that nobody can get up on stage. Um, but he had this fabulous voice and it was his birthday and he loved her. So when alone with her for a private meet and greet, we casually dropped that seed that, oh, he has a fabulous voice. I mean, and he's so excited that you're here. You know, he would love to get up and sing with you. I thought the agent was going to throttle me from across the room, (laughs) but you know, no harm, no foul. Right. Yeah. And sure enough, she was in the right you know, state of mind and was excited about the event. She invited my client up on stage. And they sang together and it's the most magical. And then the way the guests were then singing with them and we had given them everybody these faux lighters and now they're holding up the lighter. It was like a full concert just for him. And it was this most special moment. Yeah. And you step back and you go, I'm, I did that. Yeah. I made that moment for him because we focused on all the logistics that then the talent had a safe space. The guests were doing what you needed them to do and everything was able to come together to be that perfect moment for the client. Well, as you're talking, your, your face is lighting up. <laughs> no, but, but there's something really special about thinking about the impact that you're having on people's lives, their wedding day. Right. You're with people at their most special, special occasions. It's, it's a blessing to be able to do that. And I think especially coming off the pandemic and everything that we've just been through collectively as humans to be able to celebrate and host events for your friends and family, no matter what scale they're on, whether they're, you know, a super concert party or a small dinner party, 
just being together and celebrating is something I think that we almost took for granted. Yeah. And coming off of that too, you just, you know, you really, you realize how lucky you are to be with people on these special times. So now I have to ask about the interpersonal dynamics. <laughs> no families have interpersonal dynamics. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think about what you're doing with, with weddings and milestone events and, you know, you have family members that don't get along. Right. You have in-laws that don't get along. You have potential divorced parents that can't be in the same room. Uh, I'm just so curious how you navigate that landscape. Sometimes, you know, it's more complicated than others, but we ask our clients from the beginning to always be open and honest with us. So if I know the the details of the divorced parent, really how much, you know, they can't sit next to each other, all of these things, the sooner we know, the sooner we can overcome that and make sure that we're planning accordingly for these issues all the way along. So that it isn't something that just pops up, you know, the week of or the day of so that, you know, we really everybody, the whole team, every venue manager, everybody that needs to know is in the know because the client has been honest with us. There's no judgment. It's a judgment free zone because at this point, I feel like we've seen so much. There is I have no opinions, comments, judgments. I just want to know so yeah. that we can properly, you know, handle it. Do you find that people are responsive to that? Yes. I think most people see us as family coming in. And that's something we've tried always really hard when when we start with a client. We work with clients that we feel reflect our personalities as well so that we really are able to engage in every bit of that dynamic with the families. Yeah. You know, we understand them. We may not have a divorced home, but they do. But we understand some of their interpersonal dynamics just because, you know, we have other family that has difficult dynamics. So, like, we we get it and want to be able to be um, open and honest. And and I always share my own personal stuff, too, with my clients. I feel like that give and take yeah, um, just makes it more like a family experience. Well, and it is such a personal thing that you're dealing with. Right. So it sounds like you've turned away clients. Oh, yes. What are the red flags for you? You know, for a long time, we would meet our clients in person. It seemed like there were years where more of the clients would come down if they were destination or lived locally. We would see them. Body language for me in those years was really important because you can just tell immediately. It's just there's there's something that just seems off. Now with more, you know, destination clients and less travel, I feel like I see them on Zoom or, you know, we just have conversations. So there's different keys that I'm looking for or listening for that um, strike me. It's it's really important that I feel like somebody is realistic. Okay. You know, for a bride in particular, if if head is completely in the clouds and you know you can't get her below the clouds. I don't feel that it's the right match for me. I'm a realistic girl 
And I like my clients to be realistic because then you, you're set up for failure when you like when to know Barbie's dream house is set up for like, the most efficient and I like to know the topping pattern. Exactly. I like to know that Barbie's dream house is set up. <laughs> now, you know, the deep secrets. Yeah. I still have some of those Barbies too. By well, the, way. <laughs> the whole psychology degree is just making so much sense isn't to me it, now. Isn't it? it really is. Well, and that's a, that's a great thing too, because you brought up managing budgets mm-hmm. earlier. So not only do you have these interpersonal dynamics overlaid with these really personal milestone events, now you have personal money involved. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And with that could come a lot of frustration and disappointment. Right. So how do you deal with your clients less than positive reactions to things? Well, it starts from that beginning of being realistic. You know, again, that bride whose head is in the clouds, who has a much smaller budget, it's it's very hard to bridge that gap. So instead, we we really focus on realistic and we focus on making smart decisions. I try never to use the word sacrifice. I feel like in what I do for a living, we're talking large amounts of money, no matter no matter what budget they have. It's a large amount of money. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that money can go a long way in life. So I always want to be really very cognizant of that. So when we choose something that might be a little less expensive in one category versus another, we're not making sacrifices. We're making smart choices. So I try and eliminate that word always for my vocabulary when doing events because sacrifices make us feel bad when we make a sacrifice, making smart choices, make us feel good. We did something good. We made a smart choice. And I always feel like that mentality working with my clients has served me well. I love that. Thanks. Love that. No sacrifices. Because word choice does mean so much. And it it really does. I think that, that especially in a mindset where, you know, you have this larger than life vision. Some, some in wedding world, some of these brides have had since they had Barbie's dream house, they've been thinking about Barbie's wedding. Right. And, <laughs> and other brides I have are like, yeah, I've gone to college. I'm getting my, my finished my master's. I'm going for my PhD. Like, yeah, I'm going to get married in a year. Let me know when to show up. Yeah. It, there's such a range, but no matter what, they all have choices to make. Um, decisions to make moving through the process and no one feels good when they've made a sacrifice. So what about the grooms? You keep saying brides, but what about the groomzillas? I, 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 you know, I don't have too many of those. I'm grateful. (laughs) I love a groom. That's like, babe, whatever you want. (laughs) Is it most of them? Most of them. Most of them are like that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't grow up with the same stuff that we grow up with. Imagining your wedding at a complete different, complete different perspectives. They're like, what's on the bar? Let's talk about that. <laughs> How do you deal with disagreement? So let's say one side of the family has a really strong opinion about something and the other doesn't. Sometimes I actually will make a pro and con list on the two different opinions myself so that I can I can actually look at it. Because again, my job is to be objective. Yeah. It does not... It really does not matter to me if you pick one color or the other color, one food item versus the other food item. It does not matter to me. It's whatever they want. But there are things that, you know, again, families will disagree or a bride and a mom, whatever that perspective is. Sometimes it's easier for me to to sit down, make a pro and con list for both perspectives and kind of find the common ground. Yeah. Because there's always common ground. And sometimes the 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 issues are emotional issues, not 
actual on paper. Like you guys almost are saying the exact same thing here. Let me show you. It's funny you say that because my sister and I, who, you know, Mm -hmm. live together in New York city. And I always joke that, you know, we would fight over taking the trash out, but it was never about taking the trash out. It was about who mom loved more. <laughs> like the underlying fight right. was never right. what we were fighting about on the surface. Right. And that, and there are, there's so many emotions that go into it that sometimes it's, it is easier to have that mediator who can really help figure out what's, a, what, what are you really talking about? But it sounds like the theme here for you is really about focusing on the facts, focusing on objectivity, mm-hmm. focusing on that realistic and practical approach and finding common ground. Right. I actually tell my clients a lot to stay focused. So again, whether the weather turns, right, we we've experienced this. Sometimes the weather turns and, and you can't, you can't lose focus on what we're doing here. So that's, that's important. So, you know, that, that word comes up a lot. And the themes that have struck me in everything that you're saying when we talk about logistics and management and interpersonal dynamics are honoring individuality. So like when you were talking about your team, accepting that the way they do it isn't necessarily the way you're going to do it, mm-hmm. but it may even be better. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, it's the same way with the clients too. Correct. It's their day. Right. It's in service of what they want. Right. And it's, getting there with the easiest path, exactly. path of least resistance. exactly, And then preparation being key and thinking through almost every scenario, like a risk manager. Right. Right. What are the biggest challenges about what you do? I think the biggest challenge is, is very, very much the same thing that a lot of other businesses face, which is we're humans. <laughs> and sometimes, especially in the financial category that I work in a lot. I think people sometimes forget that, that everybody who is, as you use the words, in service of you that day is a human. Right. So, you know, a a wedding recently, they had picked a particular glassware and I got a phone call first thing that morning that the, the load master was loading the truck at that particular vendor and dropped four racks of their glassware, shattered. And they would, would not then have enough to meet our needs. So would I like to select another one? So of course, for me, that's easy. I pivot one, two, three, but it's a human, right? He dropped something. We all have dropped something. It just happens to be on somebody's important day and they made all these choices, but there's always another alternative. So to be honest, the client never even noticed. And, right. And, you know, after the fact I did tell them and everybody chuckled about it, but they're humans. And I think that's sometimes the hardest thing to remember. You can't, you can't get angry. You can't, you know, forget that just like, like everybody else, things happen. Perspective. Perspective. It's gonna be okay. Perspective. It all comes back to perspective, isn't it? It, Always stay focused, live in reality. It's all going to be okay. So how do you compartmentalize? Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you're dealing with. I watch with. a lot of Netflix at night. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sitting here thinking to myself, okay, you are literally juggling right. a lot of emotional stuff too, right? In the early years, it was a lot harder. I was younger. It was harder to not take on 
other people's emotional baggage. Yeah. Um, now it's, it's, it's easier for me to be able to step away, understand how to help them reach perspective and go to bed. So take that pause and then think about pause. it from an objective and strategic perspective. There's always tomorrow. It's going to be okay. I, I say that a lot to my clients. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's all good stuff. Right. It's all for good reason. Not, not, I mean, especially coming off what we've just come off of as humans. Yeah. This is all good stuff. So sometimes it's, it, it's easier just for me to be able now to just stay focused even on what I tell my clients and not take it on myself. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's harder than others, but, but that's what Netflix is for. Yeah. Focusing on the facts. Focusing on the facts. And also being aware of your red flags and making sure you don't take on clients that totally betray those. Totally. Because that probably is the first line of protection. Right. So as we wind down, Danielle, I would love to rapid fire two questions to you. Number one is what is the number one tip you can give someone who's in a challenging interpersonal dynamic? And needs to find common ground. I think step back. That's the first thing to do. Don't go after it in an emotional manner. Step back. I'm a big fan, uh, clearly, of a pro and con list. I think it's always clearer on paper than it ever is emotionally in your mind. Yeah. So I think that applies personally and to business. So, I mean, I've even learned to do that in my own personal life. Like, step back. Don't argue make a list and it appears the right answers appear. And then you can actually speak about it in a logical, calm manner. So I think it's, it's the same personal and business. I agree for me, putting pen to paper is such a game changer because it takes it out of the emotional realm in your head, right? Where you inevitably forget what you want to say too, right? Always. And you now have yep. not a script, but you have bullet points. I or sit guidelines. with spiral notebooks now. I buy them in bulk. So I, I categorize my day. I put the date on it every day that I'm working in it. And I can always go back and reference it too. Like, I know I made a list. I know this has come up already with a client. Let me go back to it. Um, I think that actually really helps. Learning from the past. Learning from the past. That's great. Old school paper. All right. Next question. Okay. Take this however you will. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? Mm. I think understanding it's okay to say no. No to a prospective client. No to working with a vendor that just doesn't feel right. I think learning earlier to have said no would have maybe saved me a little bit of anguish working in bad situations. Um, you know, once you're, once you're in it, you're in it for the year. I think now it's much easier to say no. And, and I wish I could have told her that Yeah, because it's always like, Oh, if I say no to this, will something else not be behind it? Will there not be the next client if I say no to this one? Right. And I think that's a hard thing to understand when you first start business, you just want to say yes to everything that comes your way, but it isn't always the best thing for you you know, being able to really say no is a, is a skill. Well, if you had been able to go back in time and say no more, maybe she would never have needed to learn how to say no. Maybe. 
So maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Something like that. That made more sense in my head than it did when I said it. But yeah, you, I think I'm you following. know what I mean. I'm following. <laughs> Danielle, first of all, you are full of amazing tips and tricks and perspectives. And I'm thrilled. First of all, I knew I knew you would be, but thrilled that you joined us today. Thank you. It's, it's always so great to, to see here. you. And I just feel like we could talk for so much longer. We could, totally. Well, and we're going to. Okay. But- Thank you for having me. Um, thank you for being here. It's really been incredible. And as always, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on another episode of Worked Up. Look out for new episodes on Tuesdays. As always, we have exciting guests coming down the way. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and leave reviews. And please connect with us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting on our website, www.jacquelinebeckconsulting.com or email us at info at JacquelineBeckConsulting.com. That's Jacqueline, J-A-C-L-Y-N, Beck, B-E-C-K. See you next time. Bye.